the Black Dahlia murder frontman perishes as we look into some of his infatuation with death and hatred of Christianity. And a Doctor Strange actress has been convicted of the grooming and sexual assault alongside of her husband of a 13-year-old girl. Stay with us as we look at these and other stories on the 511 News. Welcome back to the 511 News. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And on today's episode, we're going to be looking at a couple of very hard stories to stomach and some of the lyrics behind the frontman of the Black Dahlia murder who recently had his life come to an end. And we're going to be talking a little bit about that and also uh, we Something we've been doing and, and touching on a lot, uh, specifically in the last week, has to deal with the movie that came out, Doctor Strange. And the an actress who actually appeared in the original Doctor Strange has now been convicted of grooming a 13-year-old girl, and it's just heartbreaking to even hear this story. So we're going to be talking about that, but the first thing we want to deal with is what has happened to the frontman of the Black Dahlia murder. And if you guys don't know them, they run inside of the same vein of maybe a cannibal corpse or Slayer. And in fact, the singer here had a large infatuation with the band Slayer for a number of years. And if you guys know anything about those two bands or the Black Dahlia murder, you will know that these bands have no problem coming against Christianity as hard as they possibly can and singing about some of the most abhorrent things that you could possibly think about. But I want to read to you what the band has put out as a statement regarding his death. Quote, it is with deep sadness that we announce the passing of Trevor Scott Sternod, beloved son, brother, and shepherd of good times. He was loved by all that met him, a walking encyclopedia of all things music. He was a hugger, a writer, and truly one of the world's greatest entertainers. His lyrics provided the world with stories and spells and horror and whimsy. It was his life to be your show. And then they left the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline number, which has led most people to believe that his death has something to do with taking his own life. And when you've looked at, as I have, some of the interviews that he has done over the last year or two years, you can see that he is somebody who has been quite depressed, specifically over the course during COVID, when they actually came out with a new album during that time. Really, this put the nail in the coffin for me about the way I look at the world, and it's been heavy as f- um, I feel like there's no happy ending for any of us in the way that we've like set everything up, government and and just everything. I feel like um, it's just going to be darker and darker from here on out. And uh, that's just a lot. That's a lot for a person to think about all the time. And it's it basically stole whatever little bit of innocence I had left or any little blinder I had on to the way it is. You know what I mean? So, like, it's been heavy, dude. Like, this has been a heavy thing for me. I had a lot of really good years, but it kind of feels like the meds have run out of gas, you know? And I tried changing them up. 
I, they put me on Abilify too for a minute and that did, did not go well. Um, like I was having dark thoughts and was getting pretty grim. So, you know, we played the game of swapping out different meds and blah, blah, blah. Um, eventually they just doubled my dose and like, that's where I'm at right now. And it, you know, at first it was good, you know, but now like the sun is out every day. It's beautiful outside and I don't care. One of the things you might notice about him is a lot of the lyrics that they have in some of the biggest songs that they have there online or in their albums, more or less, they really have an infatuation with death over and over again, even haunting people and also a hatred of all things Christian. And so I want to look a little into that. But before we get into the lyrics, you might be asking yourself, where on earth could a band get a name like the Black Dahlia Murders? Well, none other than someone who actually died. Elizabeth Short, who was given the name Black Dahlia after her murder. And she was an American woman found murdered in the Limart Park neighborhood of Los Angeles on January 15th. 1947. Her case became highly publicized due to the gruesome nature of the crime, which included the mutilation of her corpse, which was bisected at the waist. So, as we said, it should come as no surprise that these guys, naming themselves after a young lady who was murdered right here, not too far from us, in Los Angeles, that their lyrics would have things infatuated with death. And that's exactly what we find when we read some of the lyrics of their song. In fact, they have a song called Funeral Thirst. And I'll just read a few things. And in light of his recent passing, I want you to think about these lyrics that he had written for this song, thinking about the fact that they're probably going to be having a funeral very soon. And think about the lyrics here as the song is called Funeral Thirst. Quote, All the words of the preacher. All the tears of my family in vain. I shall again walk amongst them. My penance with blood be repaid. Repaid. Dead hand grasped for the still night air. I am now free to maim. There cannot be a God for he would not forgive this. Despicable, inhuman monster. Rotten, twisted, and deformed. I am now a tool of my unholy instinct. Entrails strewn at my bidding. A mockery of all I was. And when we read such lyrics, obviously these things are not the best nursery rhyme to listen to, but nonetheless, these are lyrics that this song alone has over a million views just on YouTube, and the entire video is literally on a gravesite. I mean, these people are infatuated with death, naming themselves after murders. It is really a heartbreaking thing. And as I mentioned, and I find it interesting alongside those lyrics because they do remind me of the lyrics of Cannibal Corpse and Slayer, bands that before I was saved, I did listen to. I didn't listen much to, to Black the Black Dahlia murder, but I did listen to the bands that this band was inspired by, specifically the lead singer. And I was reading an interview recently that he did right before COVID hit. And one of the things that he was talking about was some of the feelings he's had of condemnation when it came to him listening to Slayer. And here's what he said. When I was a little kid getting into metal, 
I was a little bit scared by whether I was going to hell for liking Slayer. And I remember making this decision, like, all right, I'm just going to follow my instincts and go with it. This blink isn't real, and go with what I like. To me, that is the battle. As cliche as it is, as pounded into the ground as that topic is, I think that is really what death metal is trying to say. It's interesting that he felt this condemnation when it came to listening to Slayer and that he really did feel like maybe I'm going to go to hell. But you know what? It's just not real. I'm going to go with my instincts. And it's very interesting when we put this in light of the objective truth of Scripture and what Scripture actually warns us about, specifically when it deals with the heart and our instincts. Because the Bible says not only in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, but also in Proverbs chapter 16, that there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. And in fact, Jeremiah 19, 5 says that the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 9, it says, Rejoice, young man, during your childhood, and let your heart be pleasant during the days of young manhood. And follow the impulses of your heart and desires of your eyes. Well, should we stop there or finish the verse? The verse then says, Yet know that God will bring you to judgment for all these things. So the original conviction that he had as a child about where this music may lead him was actually true. The original inclination that he had that that enamoring yourself with things that absolutely positively hate God— is going to lead you down a road not to Christ and not to salvation, but ultimately to hell. And that's exactly right for those who will follow it. And so when we see also that he said, you know what, I'm going to give away to that and I'm going to follow the instincts of the heart. And truly it's the instincts of the flesh, this hatred that he then would have in uh, towards Christianity. And in fact, This is what he called himself in light of, he talked about religions and politics and the voice that metal now gives you against so much of the religion and politics and wars and all of this stuff. But he said this, quote, I think it's about empowerment concerning metal. It is about empowering the little guy, the nerds out there, finding some kind of inner strength in this music like I have. For me, the creative process of writing songs as a villain is a very powerful thing. It's always a villain to Christianity. That is very much the lyrical theme, the overarching lyrical theme for the band. So the overarching lyrical theme was for the Black Dahlia murder to be a villain towards Christianity. And when we actually look at some of the lyrics, and I want to give somewhat of an extensive lyrical output here from Black Dahlia Murder's song, Nightbringers. Because I think this one really exemplifies the wickedness behind so much of this. And really, this is the, in the end, leading you to death when you allow your heart to just go wherever it wants and do not fall upon the will of God and do not trust him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength and do not walk in his ways and do not rest upon his word and his truth. These are the sorts of things and the angst that people have. And this is just simply the overflow of an evil heart letting the mouth speak. 
And this is some of the lyrics of the song. This time it's war. Ghouls attack the church. Crush the Trinity dead. They'll try to board the windows, but there's too much glass and gold. To hell you've sold your souls. Yanked the deadened Christ pig right off of that cross. Stab him in the side again. It's none of our loss. This time, no more feeble minds will not be hypnotized by their disease. Behold, infinite bringers of the night, black flame of Satan burning foul and bright. We kindred bringers of the night, your blood our sweet delight. Ye unholy fiends from depths of black, turn every blinking cross you see to hell, defecate in holy waters, instill much fear and poison every well. Unholy fiends driven by will, the time has come to see their Christ is killed. These are some of the lyrics from this man, and I think that it directly relates itself to what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 8 regarding those who reject the manifold wisdom of God, those who turn aside from God's wisdom and start doing their own. It says, all those who hate me, speaking of the wisdom of God, all those who hate me love death. And when these are the songs you sing, when these are the things you sing about and you love death and sing about them in chorus to so many people, it really is that which encompasses so much of what your band has been about from the name to the performances. And this is a man that sadly doesn't realize where his enemy truly is. And he has his target just on the wrong destination for where he should be laying his hatred. And most of that should be against his own flesh and his own sin. This is a man, sadly, who was married to a woman who he was pimping out on the website OnlyFans, selling her pornographic material to other men to watch. I mean, I'm sorry. If you think this is manly to do, if you think this is really tough and you're really awesome because you're selling your wife's naked body to other men, you are a coward, sir, at best. And sadly, this person's life has ended. Whether it was all the depression from not being able to do shows or whether it was the fact that Satan had him where exactly where he wanted him and he was simply using him. People thinking that rebellion against Christianity and so forth, rebellion and hating Christians, and I know a lot of this imagery has to do with the Catholic Church, just like if you listen to Slayer and and so forth, a lot of their lyrics are against the Catholic Church, but nonetheless, they don't realize the difference. And the truth is, is they are mocking Christians, and they believe that they are pushing people into an agenda that will also mock and turn people away from Christ. And Satan has no problem using them as a puppet as they sing about this disgusting behavior. I mean, they want to kill Jesus, rip him off the cross, stab him again. I mean, this is really disgusting, disgusting lyrics. Or these are really, really disgusting lyrics. And when we think about it, it's the fact that they have the wrong enemy. They don't even realize who is really after them. They don't realize that their enemy already has them. And this is for anyone who listens to this kind of music as entertainment or to listen to it before, I don't know what you would listen to this stuff for, regardless. But it's also for the believer to recognize that these are the thoughts. 
These are the things coming out so much of the death metal scene. And ultimately, it's all from the same spirit. It's all an antichrist spirit. But the Bible actually tells us what the last enemy that will be put away is. In 1 Corinthians 15, and, and let, me, let me give a little context here, because in 1 Corinthians 15, we're dealing with what the gospel is in the first four verses, and that the gospel that is being preached according to Paul is the gospel that he received, and that gospel is the fact that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. Let's stop right there. The fact that Jesus Christ died for our sins, does that mean he died for the sins of those who were metalheads that come out of that? Absolutely he did. In fact, I believe in a universal atonement. That doesn't mean in universalism. That means that Jesus Christ literally died for the whole world, as John 3, 16 says. And if you keep reading John chapter 3, the same world that he died for, there are many of those who reject him because they do not want to what? Come to the light, right? And so I believe that Jesus died for everybody, but that doesn't make it efficacious. That doesn't mean that everyone is saved. Plenty of people are lost, just like many of the people that sing songs just like this and die in that state of sin. But I also believe that Jesus Christ can save anyone if he would have repented. And I don't know his last thoughts. I can't tell you exactly what happened to him and so forth. But if he repented and put his trust in Jesus Christ, then guess what? He's to die, paid in full for anyone who would come to him. That's called justification. We're justified right at the point of faith. The Holy Spirit comes to reside in us, and we have justification. But check this out. It also says he raised again. He was risen again. He rose again on the third day, according to the scriptures. The resurrection then is built up so that we know there is an afterlife, not one that you can now go maim people as a demon, as his wife would call him her king demon, by the way. Not that you could go maim people after your death, but now guess what? We know there's an afterlife because we know that Jesus Christ not only died publicly, but that he was raised again publicly. And Paul, in the very chapter of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, makes it quite clear that everything we believe about the Christian faith all hinges upon whether or not Jesus truly was resurrected. And because we know without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ did this publicly before over 500 witnesses just mentioned in Corinth there, let alone all the other people that he spent 40 days and 40 nights eating and drinking with and giving them many convincing proofs, according to Acts chapter 1, he did all of that publicly so we can know that's true. And Paul says, My preaching is in vain, and so is your faith. You are dead in your sins if Jesus Christ didn't raise from the dead, but he did. And how wonderful the fact he did, but it also tells us what he will ultimately put away, the last enemy he will put away. It says this in 1 Corinthians 15, 26, the last enemy that will be abolished is death. And when does that take place? Revelation chapter 20. In Revelation chapter 20, we have the millennial period. We have Satan given a short time. And then guess what? His judgment comes. And then it says this, then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. Death and Hades. Hades being the compartment for the dead. It used to house those 
who were in Christ in Abraham's bosom, but it says that Jesus set the captives free in Ephesians chapter 4 because we now had our sins bought and paid for and could go directly into the presence of God, our souls, that is, before we will get our resurrected bodies one day. And Hades, still right now, right to this day, is being filled. Just as we see Lazarus and the rich man, the rich man was in a compartment in Hades, and we recognize that it's hot down there, there's no water, and there's a great chasm. Even back then, before Jesus set those captives free, there was a great chasm. But Hades is not the lake of fire. It is thrown into the lake of fire because that one will never be quenched. It will never be finished. Hell is eternal. It lasts forever. And verse 15 tells us what the second death, when death is thrown into the lake of fire, and second death, who is that for? It says, and if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So the second death actually entails a punishment that will last forever because death is done away with. And this is where the worm never dies and the fire is never quenched, mentioned by Jesus in Mark 9, 48, when he warns, cut off your hand, pluck out your eye, because guess what? If those things are going to cause you to go to that place, get it off, get it out of here, go nowhere near that stuff, because the worm never dies, the fire never quenched, and you need to be careful to remember these things, to recognize what's going on there, and say, I want nothing to do with that. And sadly, if this man would have saw who his true enemy was and stopped being the villain against Christianity, he could have found the true Savior, the one who does save, and that's the person of Jesus Christ, who, as I said before, said to Telestai on the cross, paid in full. Jesus paid for our sins. He died for your sins, according to the Scripture, and he was rose again on the third day, according to the scriptures. And if you believe that, if you believe that, guess what? God raised him from the dead. If you cry out and call Jesus Lord, then you shall be saved. And I say all that because that's not only in the backdrop of all these evil lyrics, but what about evil practices? Because when we look at Dr. Strange as a whole, we are talking about a marquee occultist being thrown out as this wonderful superhero in the Marvel universe that everyone's following and everyone loves. And now we realize the latest Doctor Strange is what? A horror film by Sam Raimi. I mean, this is sick stuff and people are having this thrown in their face like it's just entertainment, it's harmless, it's no big deal. And yet it's the occult, it's witchcraft, it's all those things that send people to hell that God was very clear about in his word in 1 Corinthians 6, in Revelation 21, in Galatians chapter 5 and 6, the difference between the flesh and the spirit and what the fruits of the flesh versus the fruits of the spirit look like, specifically Galatians 5, I'm sorry. And when we look at that, and we see that and say, well, yeah, it's no problem to be entertained by it when the hero in the whole story is a witch, is a warlock, is just wickedness. And we say, oh, it's no big deal. But then we see some of the actors. And I'm not just talking, I'm talking, I'm talking specifically about an actress that was in the original Doctor Strange. But if we just look at it as a whole, all right, if we go back to Brian Singer grooming young men, and guess what? Him getting to direct, of course, the X Men and so forth. If we look at James Gunn, 
who goes on Twitter and has over 15 different tweets about pedophilia, thinking that it's funny, and yet they keep bringing him back to be uh, a director there for Guardians of the Galaxy and so forth. Or even if you go over to Joss Whedon and see his moral compass and how he asked Charisma Carpenter, the actress, if she was going to get an abortion, if she was going to keep it, so to speak, about her continuing to act or have her baby or some of the suggestive comments and so forth that he had. And he said, well, when I was directing Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel, it was just like a frat party. It was just like a college dorm. Not realizing that these people have no moral compass because they don't have Jesus. They don't have his word. And they are just running amok and following the instincts of their heart wherever their desires may go. But recently, it was just revealed that an actress who starred in Marvel's Doctor Strange was convicted alongside her husband Tuesday of repeatedly having sex with a 13-year-old girl over a three-year period. Zara Pythian, a martial artist who played a sorcerer alongside Benedict Cumberbatch in the 2016 Marvel flick, was unanimously convicted of 14 sex offenses against a child aged 13 to 15, the Nottingham Post said. Her husband, Fellow martial artist Victor Mark, 59, was also found of the same charges, as well as three others against another young girl. The husband and wife were remanded in custody and warned that they will get a considerable period in custody when sentenced on Monday, the local paper said. Their victim said that she was just 13 when the couple plied her with rum and made her perform acts on Mark after Pythian, then in her 20s, first taught her how to do it. This is sick stuff, and I hope there's a couple things. One, we need to be guarding our children. We need to be watching over them. I don't know what a 13-year-old girl is doing around this couple, but obviously she shouldn't be within a 1,000 miles of these weirdos. And the truth is, is we need to make sure that we are guarding our children from this, that they're recognizing and understanding what is going on And when we see this happening over and over again in Hollywood, this is obviously not something that, oh man, this is just an abstract thing. It doesn't happen that often. It actually sees par for the course, especially for some reason in the Marvel universe, it seems par for the course. And so when we look at this, we need to say and repel from that and say, how can we make sure this doesn't happen to our sons and daughters? How can we make sure they're not being groomed by somebody? And that's where I would say as a parent, Your 13-year-old daughter, first of all, she's being plied with rum or whatever it may be. That's very common. Uh, Getting people high, getting them to use drugs, getting young kids drunk and then taking advantage of them, convincing them to do things that would normally not do. That is exactly how you fall for Satan's lies. That's why the Bible is clear. Be sober and vigilant for your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And he will devour you if you are not sober-minded. And as... A parent of two boys and two girls, I can tell you right now, I understand that ultimately I am a babysitter for God's children, I believe. I am a babysitter for them. And if I'm watching the children that God has given me to watch and guard and imagine as you, as a a parent, if you are, if you left your children with somebody, And when you came back from the house, those children were being taken advantage of by a 50-year-old man and so forth. And you watch that taking place. How would you feel about that babysitter? And as a parent, 
How do you think God feels when you allow this sort of thing to come into your house and take advantage of them? Whether it be like this, or whether it be through movies, whether it be through music, and whether it be through the TV, or whether it be right there on their phone. We need to watch them, guard them, love them, and point them to Jesus Christ. This has been Chad Davidson, and this is the 511 News. The 511 News with Chad Davidson has been brought to you by Good Fight Ministries, bringing you news and commentary from a Christian perspective. This show can be heard every Friday wherever podcast shows are available, or visit 511news.org. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to being with you next week on the 511 News.